All right, all right. Good morning, New Life Church. How are we doing this morning? Man, I love worshiping with you. Most Sundays I'm hanging out with New Life Downtown at Palmer High School, but it is great to be up here at the Mothership New Life North. Uh, my name's Glenn. I've been at New Life for about 22 years. Get to serve as associate senior pastor here. Pastor Brady sends his greetings. He's preaching at uh, another church across the country this morning. Hey, before we open up the scriptures, let's begin with a word of prayer. Jesus, we thank you for who you are. You're the God who speaks to us. You're the God who calls us by name. And we're asking this morning as we open up your word that you would open up our hearts, open up our eyes and our ears to see you and hear you, open up our minds and our hearts to understand, to respond, to believe, to surrender. We pray these things in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And everybody said, amen. One of the great joys of the last nine years or so has been having my parents live here in town. Uh, mo many of you might know that I grew up in Malaysia, that's where I'm from, and about nine years ago my parents moved from Malaysia to uh, be with us here in Colorado Springs. And the first couple years they lived with us and then after that they, they got uh, their own place. But I've had front row seats to uh, watch kind of the, the key difference. This is now what I have studied for nine years and I believe I've come to the conclusion of the key difference between grandparents and parents. Are you ready? Grandparents say yes all the time to the grandkids. I mean, parents, they say no. You know, kids are like, hey, hey dad, could we stop by? You know, can we get a treat on the way home? No. Could we eat out today? No. If you go to the store with them, could I buy this, you know, pack of baseball cards, whatever? No, we don't need that, right? Our grandparents, it's like everything is yes. Can we get ice cream? You bet. It's 10 o'clock at night. Are you sure? Absolutely. Can we watch a movie? Of course we can watch a movie. The other day, my son came home from a soccer game, and he had like a $5 bill in his jersey. I was like, what do you do? Where'd you get that money from? He goes, Nana and Papa gave it to me. I'm like, they're paying you to play soccer? Like, I'm paying for you, you know? Like, what are you got grandparents just giving stuff? Always, yes, 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 give, give, give. Any grandparents in the room this morning? Come on. You know. <laughs> the great thing about grandparents is you actually reflect the image of God in this. The kind of generosity, the easy yes, that's a reflection of the very image of God. We've been in a series here for the last couple months at New Life called Who is God? And we took a few weeks to talk about who is God the Father, what Christians call the first person of the Trinity. Then we had several weeks where we talked about who is God the Son, Jesus, the second person of the Trinity. And this morning, we're continuing what we began a few weeks ago, who is God the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. But Christians have confessed through the ages for all of the mystery of the Trinity, one of the things Christians confess is that you can't separate up the operations of the Trinity. You can't say, well, the Father does this, but the Son, no, he, he sits that one out. Whatever the Father is doing, there also is the Son and the Spirit. So when we talked about a few, couple months ago that the Father, God the Father, is the giver of every good and perfect gift, guess what? It also means that Jesus, God the Son, is the one who gave his own life as a gift. He's a giver too. And now when we talk about the Holy Spirit this morning, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit as the giver of gifts. Now, some of you in the room, you're like, ooh, 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 spiritual gifts. I love this. I, I, I love learning about this. I, I, I love talking about this. I love practicing this. Maybe that's a third of you. There's probably another third that you're like, 
I'm so freaked out right now. Because every time people talk about spiritual gifts, it gets weird, stuff gets weird. Another third of you, you're like, kind of indifferent. You're like, I mean, this is interesting, but this is just sort of like, this is for extra credit, right? Like, this is for the spiritual marines. Like, Glenn, do I need this to get to heaven? No, okay, then I'm just gonna zone out right now. <laughs> and I want to invite you this morning to think differently about the Holy Spirit as the giver of gifts, to think differently about the gifts of the Spirit, that this is not, this doesn't have to be a weird thing. This isn't just for kind of the spiritual ninjas or spiritual marines. This is for everyone. And so we're going to work through this this morning with a couple of questions. The first thing we're going to ask is, what is a spiritual gift? And then we're going to say, why does the Spirit give gifts? And then we're going to talk about how we should respond to that. But right, off the, the, right out of the gate here, we need to ask this question. What is a spiritual gift? Now, in the New Testament, there are several lists where Paul gives examples, and these are some of the gifts, but they're not meant to be exhaustive. Paul isn't working off a spreadsheet here, and he's like, okay, check the box. You got nine over here, and then six over here, and then 10 over there, and we're trying to sort of compile them into an inventory of spiritual gifts. That, that's not the way the New Testament works, I think. I think Paul is saying, look, the Spirit shows up in lots of ways, and here's some of the ways that looks like. Romans 12, verse 3, Paul's writing this letter to a church in Rome at the very center of the empire, and he says this. He says, because of the grace that God gave me, I can say to each one of you, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. This isn't about you. Instead, be reasonable since God has measured out a portion of faith to each one of you. Paul's saying, maybe, look, maybe you're used to the Roman Empire, the way it's worked with stratus and hierarchy, and one person has all the power, and then people way down the totem pole have no power. Paul's saying, look, the church works differently than that. God's given faith to each one of you. We have many parts in one body, but the parts don't have all the same function. In the same way, there are many of us, we are one body in Christ, and individually, we belong to each other. It's such a beautiful way Paul phrases it. He doesn't say we belong together to the same society. He doesn't say we belong to the same association. He says we belong to each other. It's a much more organic community than a social group or a club or a gym or a membership. There's, there's some connectedness to each other. And then he says, verse six, we have different gifts that are consistent with God's grace that has been given to us. Now, we might miss this connection in English, but in the New Testament, the word for grace is simply the word gift. And so if we were reading this, this verse here, we might say we have different gifts that are consistent with the gift, capital G. There is the gift that God has given to us, the gift of Jesus Christ, the gift of the Spirit himself. And then there are these gifts that come as a result of it. The church is a community formed by the gift with a capital G. And the church is a community of gifts, of people with these many graces, many gifts. Another church was a church in Corinth, and Corinth was a difficult city, a city of materialism, a city of athletic competition, a city where people were always trying to one-up each other, and that had crept into the church, and Paul writes to them, and he says, look, about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. Skip down to verse four. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit 
who distributes them. In other words, don't do this comparative thing of what about their gift and what about her, her gift and my gift. It's the same spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in every one, listen to that phrase, in all of them, in all of the gifts, and in every one is the same God at work. This is God at work. And now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. There's some key phrases here, manifestation, something being made visible, being revealed. And so in answer to our question this morning, what is a spiritual gift? Perhaps we can put it like this. A spiritual gift is God's grace, gift with a capital G, visibly expressed in a particular way in you and through you. In you and through you, visibly expressed. Now leave that up here for a moment. In the first couple hundred years of Christian history, and as the Christian movement began to spread, they started to try to make sense of the sacraments. What's happening when we come to the table and take bread and wine? What's happening when people go into the waters of baptism? What's happening in these moments? And one of the great theologians from North Africa, St. Augustine, said, a sacrament is a visible sign of an invisible grace a visible sign of an invisible grace. And when you think that way, that's very much like what the spiritual gifts are too. They're a visible expression of God's gift, God's grace to the world. But it's being expressed, remember what Paul said in Corinthians, it's God who's working in you, in everyone, in a particular way. What I like about this is when we think of it as a gift that's at work in you, it means it works within the bounds of your personality and it works within the wiring of who you are as, a, as, a, as an individual. So maybe some of you, the reason you're freaked out by the gifts is you've seen people get super weird about this stuff. Someone's like, you're just in church, and like you saw them earlier in the week, like at the grocery store or whatever, and they're perfectly normal, but in church all of a sudden they're like, thus saith the Lord. <laughs> and they're walking around, and you're, you're seeing them like, this is just the dude that I went like shopping with, and all of a sudden they're like, what's that, Lord? What's that, shh, hang on a second. <gasps> I'll tell him, Lord, uh, the Lord says to you. And you're like, what, is go- what, what just happened here? Or maybe others of you, you're not, a f- look, if you've never experienced that, man, I'm just, I'm just thrilled for you, but I've experienced that so many times in my life, like growing up Pentecostal, charismatic. But there's this other kind of mode of it where, we're, where we sort of expect that the gifts are when God kind of hijacks your body and takes over. And we sort of think that, that maybe the gifts, like when the spirit moves, that he's just sort of moving your body for you. And so even a gift like praying in the spirit or praying in tongues, we think, well, I don't know about that gift because I've never had the spirit like move my mouth for me. That sounds super weird. That's not how it works. It's not how it works. It works with you taking a step and praying something. It works with the, the boundaries of who you are. Look, just a few moments ago, we were all singing. Did you experience something of the presence of God this morning as we were singing? Yeah. Now, what if we said, well, well, hang on, no, no, Glenn, that's just the music. I just like the music. Or that's just emotion. Or maybe you're like super smart and you're into this stuff and you go, well, that's just brain chemistry. That's true. Scientists have discovered that when groups of people sing together, the brain releases oxytocin. So you're like, aha. (laughs) But I got one for you. Wouldn't the God who made your brains make you to reward, make your brain to reward you when you do the thing he told you to do? 
right? So it all kind of works together, right? So we don't have to say, was it just the music or was it God? Or was it just chemistry or was it me or was it? We can say, you know what? It's all of it. That God works in us. God works through us. He's not bypassing your brains and your bodies to get through to you. He's not bypassing your personality. Some of you, you already are a bold personality. So when the gifts work through you, they're going to work in a bold way. Some of you, you're more quiet. When the gifts work through you, it might just be like, hey, just can I pray for you? Just had this little sense. And that's okay too. There's, we're not all like Elijah calling down fire from heaven. Okay? So the gift, the gifts, a spiritual gift is God's grace visibly expressed in a particular way in you and through you. Secondly, the second question we're going to work with this morning is, well, well, why? Why does the Spirit give gifts? And this is the one we're going to spend a bit more time on this morning because, again, our tendency is to think this is extra credit stuff. Like, this is for the really super spiritual people. I'm a simple person. I'm a humble person. I'm just a little Christian. I just want to do my thing. I'm not a pastor. I'm not a preacher. I just want, you know... And what we're going to discover is there's a reason why the gifts are for everyone. Are you ready? We're going to say three things about why the Spirit gives gifts. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 12. Paul says to them, he says, So it is with you, since you are eager for the gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in those that build up the church. The first reason we say the Spirit gives gifts is, number one, to build up the church. It's for us. It's for one another. Now, I've got some packages here. One's from Amazon. One's from, you know, I don't know where. One's from Target. Anybody get excited when you see packages on your front porch? Anybody? It's like Christmas, right? Uh, I mean, you're paying for it, but it's like Christmas. <laughs> and you're like, oh, this is, this is awesome. I can't, I can't another package. Woo-hoo-hoo. Now, what if you saw the UPS truck coming down the street, and if you're like me, you're like, are they stopping at my door, right? And they stop at your door, and the driver gets out, and he's carrying this stuff, and all of a sudden he's like, oh, hang on a minute. Oh, this is just the right size of that one thing I've won. And then, oh, what's this? This, this? this is from Apple. This might be a new phone. And this, oh, this is about the size of an Xbox. And, and the delivery person just stops short of your door and starts ripping open all the boxes. You're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's ripping open the boxes and just starts taking it back. And he's like, look at me. I mean, what if the UPS person is driving down our street like windows down, music blaring, saying, I got gifts. It's a silly illustration, but you get the point, right? The gifts are not for you. They're for someone else, but they came to you so that they can come through you. They came to you so that they can come through you. They're there to build up. The church. Paul says it this way. He says, verse 26, What then shall we say, brothers and sisters, when you come together, each one of you has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation or a tongue or an interpretation. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. Now, it's tempting. The larger a church gets, it's tempting to orient everything around the gifts of a few. But the church was always meant to be a community of gifts. It's all of our gifts that matter, not just throughout the week, but even when we gather together. It's all of our gifts that matter. It's all of our gifts that matter. And this is why Paul has to work hard to say some parts of the body might be more visible than other parts. It doesn't make them more valuable. 
Being more visible doesn't make you more valuable. All of the gifts matter, which changes the way we should come to church, right? And we don't want to come to church and be like, man, who's leading worship today? What songs are they singing today? Who's preaching today? I mean, I, I just, who's, I, which one do I like better? Instead, what if, what if, and some of you do this already, went on a good, on a good Sunday. <laughs> I'm with you, not every Sunday is a good Sunday. <laughs> but on a good Sunday, some of you already do this. You're driving on your way into church and you're like, okay, God, who could I encourage today? Who could I pray for today? Who could I meet today that's new? Who could I welcome today? Who could I, who could I bless today? Who could I see today and greet today? Because it isn't about coming to consume the gifts of a few people. It's about coming to contribute with the gifts that all of us have to bring as the church. That's what we're trying to do. I'm so grateful to have grown up in a home and in a church in Malaysia where uh, the gifts were part of our normal practice. Even in our church, I think about times in a youth group and people praying for one another. We were just, you know, young preteens. Who knows what we were saying God was saying, you know. We're taking risks and praying for one another and having visions and sharing stuff. And I'm so grateful for having been able to cultivate that. When I went to college in Tulsa at Oral Roberts University, I remember being in multiple environments like that, in chapel services where people are praying for one another and sometimes people would share words or a sense that they had from the Lord. The only time it got weird was when a guy tried to tell a girl that God said she was his wife. You know, that, that's when we don't, that's not the gifts right there. <laughs> I remember praying over, uh, praying with a friend of mine named Jeremiah Parks and saying, I just have the sense from the Lord because of your story and what God has rescued you from, just have the sense that God's gonna make you a father to the fatherless. I mean, what did we know? We were single dudes. We didn't know anything about, about fatherhood. And somehow, eight, nine years later, Jeremiah and his wife, Nikki, started out of the youth ministry here at New Life, a, a ministry called Heartwork, where students would find other young people around the world, communities of orphans and widows, and pair them together so that one group of students, it, they called it Destiny Rescuing Destiny. Over time, that began to grow, and now Jeremiah and Nikki and their family, they spend half the year in Guatemala serving at a ministry called Casa Angelina that serves widows and orphans. And he said, when we were starting Heartwork, all of a sudden, the Lord took me back to that moment where you said that the Lord was going to make me a father to the fatherless. That's building up the church. These are words that kind of help and encourage. I'll never forget, as a young person, I'd just been on staff here at New Life 22 years ago or so. It was a couple years in. A few of us took a trip to go visit Oral Roberts, the guy who founded the university that I went to, and, and we got to visit him in his home as he was, he'd been retired in, in California, and, and a few of us, you know, he was, sit, he was sitting in this recliner, and different ones of us would come and sit in front of him on the ottoman, and he'd lay hands and pray over us. And when it was my turn, the, the pastor who was hosting it said, hey, this is Glenn, he's one of our worship leaders and songwriters. And I'll never forget Oral Roberts looking right at me, and he said, so, you're called to preach. <laughs> and at first I was like, did, did he miss here? So like, no, he heard. And then it was like, oh God, yes, God. Yeah. <laughs> Those are moments where the gifts of the Spirit are working to build up the church, but that's not the only reason. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 23, it says, so if the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues and inquirers or unbelievers come in, will they not say that you're out of your mind? Yep, probably. 
But if an unbeliever or an inquirer comes in while everyone is prophesying, and listen, when the New Testament talks about prophesying, it's not talking about predicting the future, calling out stock markets or pandemics. When the New Testament talks about prophecy, it's the revealing of the truth of who Jesus is in order to strengthen, encourage, and comfort. And so Paul's saying, look, when an unbeliever comes in and the testimony of Jesus is being proclaimed and people are being strengthened and encouraged, they're going to be convicted of sin and are brought under judgment by all. And as the secrets of their hearts are laid bare, and so they'll fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. Look, not all of the gifts are outward facing. Paul says in this same passage here, he talks about praying in the spirit as a way of building up himself. But he says, look, most of the gifts are designed to be outward facing. And so the second thing we need to say about the gifts is the reason the Spirit gives gifts. Secondly, to build up the church, first of all. Secondly, to witness to the world. To bear witness to the world that there is a different king who's on the throne. There is a different kingdom that is arriving. Listen, when we gather together as the church, there's something that happens here that cannot happen anywhere else. Jesus said, when two or three gather in my name, there I am. Paul does this whole thing in his long letter to the Ephesians to kind of say, when the church gathers together, you become like the temple that his presence fills. And I know in our day and age, it's very comfortable to kind of say things like, well, God is everywhere, and if I, just, if I, don't, if I don't gather with the church, it doesn't really matter. I'll just catch God on the slopes. <laughs> It's true, God's presence is everywhere, but the New Testament says he is special, he's present in a special way when the church gathers in his name. Present in a special way, which also means that the one thing that the world will find here that they cannot find anywhere else is not just a nice talk and good music or good advice or friendships or programs. The best thing that we can offer the world that cannot be found anywhere else is the presence and power of God. That's why we gather. And Paul says, don't forget that. Don't turn this into just a nice little meeting, but make it so that when unbelievers come in, they say, what's happening? Like that's music, but that's not just music. Like some, some, what is going on here? The gifts of the Spirit are at work in a community of people, the people of God, in order to be a witness to the world. Listen, we, we, we look around and read the headlines, and there's evil in our world. And whether we look across the ocean to what's happening in Ukraine and been happening, or we look closer to home last weekend, when you hear about a shooting that happened in Buffalo that was the result of racist rhetoric. We're reminded again and again and again that evil is not taking a back seat in this moment. That there is a devil, there's an enemy at work in the world who's trying to steal, kill, and destroy. And this isn't a moment for the church to say, well, I don't know anything about that. Let's just have a Bible study with some sweet tea. This is the moment for the church to say, well, hang on, hang on, hang on. We've got the same spirit who raised Jesus from the dead. So every morning I'm going to get out of bed and say, come Holy Spirit, empower me and send me into the world to be a minister of justice and peace and reconciliation and joy and healing in the world. The gifts of the spirit are not just for the building up of the church, but they're to witness to the world. And then finally, the third thing we're going to say comes from 1 Peter and Peter's writing this and he says, serve each other according to the gift each person has received. 
as good managers of God's diverse gifts. We're stewarding this. Whoever speaks should do so as those who speak God's word, and whoever serves should do so from the strength that God furnishes. And do this so that in everything, here's why, so that in everything God may be honored through Jesus Christ. To him be the honor and power forever and always. What's the third reason the Spirit gives gifts? It's to glorify God. To build up the church, to witness to the world, and to glorify God. These gifts are not given so that we can receive the glory. I mean, imagine the UPS guy bringing the packages to you. This time he doesn't open them, he gives them to you. And then you say, thanks so much. And then he's just waiting there like, anything else? You're like, no? (laughs) Well, I just, you know, I just wondered if you're grateful at all, you know? Like, well, I mean, thank you for delivering it. Like, well, I mean, these are expensive gifts. Like, but but they didn't come from you. (laughs) Like, right, 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 right. No, of course, they didn't come from me. Now, we can go to the other extreme of this. I remember once as a young worship leader, a sweet older lady came up to say, man, that was such an anointed worship time. And I I just, you know, what did I know? Naive, young, I was like, oh, thank you. And she looked astonished. She goes, goes, to God be the glory. I was like, oh, okay. You know, like, so we can, go, we can go to the other extreme. Look, you can thank a person that's encouraging. It's great. But we know in the end that the reason the gifts are given are for the glory of God. The British pastor, John Stott, who used to travel with Billy Graham for many, many, many years, said we should all cultivate a kind of godly ambition to make sure that God can get the maximum glory from our lives. And he said, selfish ambition is where you work hard and you want stuff for you. But godly ambition is where you cultivate the gifts and activate all of this stuff. Why? So that God can get the maximum glory from your life and from your story. That's the idea. The Spirit gives us gifts so that we can glorify God. Now our final question this morning is, well, how do we respond? How are we supposed to respond to the gifts of the Spirit? We've talked about what a spiritual gift is. We've talked about why the Spirit gives gifts. And now, how do we respond to it? Sometimes for some of us, maybe the attitude is, well, I don't know, Glenn. I mean, I'm open, but I'm kind of cautious. Or there's others of you that are like, truthfully, I'm cautious, but I guess I'm a little bit open. I want to show you what Paul says to the church in Corinth. 1 Corinthians 14, Paul says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. He doesn't say, follow the way of love and cautiously be open to it. If you get zapped, great. If not, don't worry about it. (laughs) Follow the way of love and be skeptical because you know these things get abused. They do. (laughs) No one knew knew, knew that better than the Corinthians. (laughs) He says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy, the way of strengthening and encouraging and comforting. Now, this is 1 Corinthians 14. Our Bible has chapters and verse markings in there. When Paul wrote it, it didn't have any of that. It was a scroll, right? So what comes right before 1 Corinthians 14? It's not a trick question. 1 Corinthians 13, you're sharp. You're awake. Now, what's 1 Corinthians 13 all about? Very good. You're there. You're getting more confident now. And when do we most often hear 1 Corinthians 13? At weddings. It's so awesome. Dearly beloved, 
Love is patient. Love is It's great. It's just that Paul didn't have weddings in mind when he wrote 1 Corinthians 13. Now, it applies, but that's not really what he wrote this for. You know what he was writing about? 1 Corinthians 12. Let me talk to you about spiritual gifts. And then he's like, okay, you guys, you're going to turn everything into a competition, aren't you? Let's talk about love for a minute. Love is patient. Love is kind. And he says three things remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. And then he says, now, following the way of love, eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. The reason the gifts matter is because this is one of the ways we love. This is one of the ways we love one another. This is one of the ways we love the church. This is one of the ways we love our city. This is one of the ways we love God. This is not about us getting another feather in our cap and saying, how many gifts do you have? Have you moved in all nine? I've moved in six out of nine, but I'm working on the other three. This is about saying, God, you love me, and you've given me gifts. I love you. I want you to be glorified from these gifts. I love our world, and so I want these gifts to be in operation. I love our church. I want these gifts to be in operation here. Follow the way of love. And so this morning, if we ask how should we respond to the gifts of the Spirit, it's really simple. From the motivation of love, we should eagerly desire spiritual gifts. Maybe this morning we could turn the attitude of our hearts this morning from (laughs) earnestly avoid them. (laughs) Do everything I can to say, that's not me. To say, maybe I should eagerly desire this. But secondly, to diligently cultivate them. It takes practice. It takes practice. Remember the story Jesus told about the person who had five talents or a bag of Five bags of gold, one gospel says. Another one had two. Another one had one. Whatever you've been given, find a way to cultivate it so that it becomes more. It's not automatic. Again, the gifts of the Spirit are not God zapping you and taking over. It's God working in you and through you. So it means it involves your cooperation and it requires your participation. But you're like, well, well, what what if, you know, like, what if I get it wrong? I promise you, you will get it wrong. Let's just say that. You will get it wrong. But what's the same word for gift? It's grace. If the gifts are an expression of the gift, grace, then it's all grace. So if you say something, you're like, you know, I just wanted to pray this for a person, and they're like, no, man, that's super weird. Like, that, that does not resonate. You're like, okay, cool, cool, cool. It's all grace. It's okay. You can try, and try again, no pressure. Maybe others of you, you're like, well, I would like this, but, but honestly, my life is kind of a mess right now. Like, maybe I need to get, like, everything in order, and then I can ask the Holy Spirit to work in me. Listen, have you heard about the church in Corinth? I, I'm not saying that sin doesn't matter. Of course it matters. I'm just saying you don't have to wait until things are all tidied up before you can say, Holy Spirit, work through me. God is an expert in working with us right where we are. He specializes in that. So even as we're repenting, even as we're turning around, even as we're coming to the Lord, we could say, Lord, I don't want to live this way. I want to live for your glory, so come and let your gifts. Just speak through me. Work through me. Bless others through me. Encourage others through me today. The worship team would come this morning. We're going to practice this. I probably should have given you a heads up. The the reason I started preaching uh, earlier than normal this morning is because We're going to take a few moments and we're going to practice this. 
Because it's not enough to just kind of hear it and say, okay, that's great. But we're actually going to wait upon the Lord for a few moments and practice this. And it might feel like the first time you turn a tap on, like we all did with our sprinklers a few weeks ago, then had to quickly turn it back on. Might be the first time you turn it on, it sputters and it's clunky. That's okay. Just keep the tap on. Keep welcoming the Spirit. It, um, it started to be hiking season in Colorado. <laughs> and in hiking season, there's, there's a couple of errors you could make, you know, when you go on a hike. The, the first error is to stand, is to enter the mountains, the forests, and say, I, I don't need the trail and I don't need the map. I'm a mountain man. <laughs> it might work okay, but we might be looking for you in a few hours. You, you need a trail. You need a Some of you, you're so eager for the spiritual gifts, but you also actually need to match that with growing in the Word of God so that you're not saying things that don't line up with God's character. You know, saying, well, well, God told me that it's okay to do this and this and this. And you're like, actually, that, nope, that's a sin. <laughs> so we need the scriptures. We, we can't just run wild. But I, my hunch is that most of us make the other error. And this is the other error when it comes to hiking is we stand at the trailhead and study the map. And we're like, oh, okay, there's this one mile thing. And then there's, looks like there's a lake there. And then something called an overlook. Maybe there's an outlook there. And, and you stand so long studying the map, people are coming off the trail. And as they come off the trail, you're saying, how was it? And they're like, oh, it's amazing. There's a one mile kind of thing. And then there's a lake. And then there's this overlook. And you can see an eagles today. And you're like, wow, that's awesome. But you, you stand right there at the trailhead for so long that now new people are coming up, parking in the parking lot, coming up to the trailhead. And you get all excited. You're like, are you about to do this hike? And they're like, yeah, we, we think so. And you're like, oh, it's awesome. There's this one mile thing, and, and then there's a lake, and then there's an overlook, and pff, there's eagles today. And they're like, amazing, have you been on this hike? And you're like, no, but I've heard. I love the Word of God. I've given the better part of my life to reading this book, studying this book, knowing this book. But the goal of the Bible is not to know the Bible, it's to know God. The goal of a teaching about the Holy Spirit is not to know about the Holy Spirit, it's to welcome the Holy Spirit. This isn't Bible trivia, there will not be a quiz, but there is a relationship and a power that is waiting for you and for me. So I wanna invite you to stand with me this morning. And here's how we're gonna do it in a very simple way, very simple way. I just want you to find one or two other people, just one or two other people, and don't do it yet, let me just tell you how this is gonna work. When you find them, just stand with them. You can put your hand on the back of their shoulder if that's okay. You stand with them, if you don't know them that well, you don't have to do that, just stand with them. And just wait upon the Lord. And just say, Holy Spirit, speak through me. And maybe you'll get a little picture that you wanna share with them. Maybe you'll get a little word or a phrase that you want to share with them. Maybe it's a scripture that will come to your mind, Psalm 23 or something well-known. Maybe nothing will come. That's okay, too. And you just pray for them, pray a blessing over them, and watch God work through that. Now, I realize that, you know, maybe um, husbands and wives are 
standing by each other this morning, you have permission if you would want to pray with other people because don't turn this into your passive aggressive marriage fight moment, you know? Like, thus saith the Lord, squeeze the toothpaste from the bottom of the tube. <laughs> now don't do that. <laughs> so let's, let's circle up now. Find one or two other people and we're just gonna take a few minutes and just wait on the Lord. And see if he'll say something. See if he'll give us a picture or a word or a phrase or a scripture. And if nothing else, just pray a blessing and trust that the Spirit is working through you to bless each other. The gifts of many, that's what the church is about. Not the gifts of a few, but the gifts of the community, the gifts of the people together.
going to come to the Lord's table this morning. If you have one of these uh, pre-packaged communion pieces, if you didn't receive one, I think you could raise your hand. The ushers will help you get one. You can open them up. The top layer has that wafer and the bottom has the juice. A sacrament is a visible sign of an invisible grace. The sign itself, the visible thing itself doesn't have to be awesome. <laughs> I mean, look at this wafer. However bad you're feeling about your life, you are not worse than this wafer pretending to be bread. And yet, and yet, here we come week after week. We pray this prayer and we say, Jesus, meet us here. And he does. And the Lord's table throughout Christian history has been a place where we remember what Christ has done. It's a place where we anticipate what Christ will do when he comes again in glory, but it's also the place where we encounter the risen Christ in our hearts by faith through the Holy Spirit. So if you would, just pray with me. Jesus, we confess we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors and our, as ourselves. God, we've fallen short. We've sinned against you in our thoughts, in our words, in our deeds, by what we've done, by what we've left undone. But Lord, by the, for the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us. Breathe the breath of God on us. Change us from the inside out that we would delight in your ways. Walk in your ways to the glory of God the Father. And Jesus, we thank you that on the night that you were handed over to suffering and death, you took bread. When you blessed it, you broke it. You gave it to your disciples and you said, take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. And after supper, you took the cup of wine, and when you had blessed it, you gave it to the disciples, and you said, drink this, all of you. This is my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. So now we say, come, Holy Spirit, in this moment. Come, Holy Spirit, and fill our hearts in a fresh way. Come, Holy Spirit, and renew your work in us. And church, these are the gifts of God given for us, the people of God. Let's receive them now. Receive them now. And let our songs of praise and thanksgiving begin to rise up one more time. Yes, yes. We sing. 
I want to invite our altar ministry team to come down to the front. Some of you, the Lord is still working in your hearts, and you want more of that. Maybe something got opened up. I had a sense this morning that for some of you that tap got turned on, and you want someone to help, help me leave this tap on. I want to stay open to the Spirit and His gifts in me. Let someone pray for you this morning. Maybe you came in carrying a burden, and you need someone to stand with you and encourage you to come and receive prayer this morning. If you're new or newish to New Life, we'd love to meet you. We'd love to welcome you into uh, the family of God here at New Life Church. Our Connect Central is out in the lobby. We'd love to chat with you, find out more about you, help you belong. And for all of us now, let me pray over you. So, Father, we pray that you would send us out from this place in the power of the Holy Spirit. Wherever we're going, our homes, our neighborhoods, our schools, our uh, friendships, our places of work, Send us from this place with the power of the Holy Spirit. Let your gifts and your grace operate in us each day for the building up of the church, for the witnessing to the world, and for the glory of God. We pray now in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. God bless you, New Life. We'll see you soon.